When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search. But what if you could get rid of the search and just match? You can with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Courtside with Christy and Gabe right here on the Her Hoop Stats Podcast Network. I am Christy Winter Scott, joined as always by my guy, Gabe Ibrahim. We are ready for another edition. Right here on Courtside, Gabe, man, listen, there's been some breaking news in breaking. the WMBA. And we don't say that often, but this is this is pretty big. We we've been break. There's been a lot of breaking news on the days we we did we do our podcast now. I don't know why. Yeah. But uh, yeah. So uh, the I mean the breaking news is that you should subscribe to this podcast on YouTube and on the podcast feeds and on Twitter and all that. Subscribe. That's the breaking news. That's all there is. Uh, and um, apparently Sue Bird is retiring at the end of this year. That's yeah. That's that's I the mean, actual breaking news. That's the actual, you know, 1A of the breaking news is Sue Bird is choosing to make this her final year of her illustrious career, the all-time leader and assist in the WNBA. But I love that she said that she was going to play the remainder of this season with the same joy that she had as a youngster, as a rookie in this league. And, and that means a lot. I mean, your mind can tell you a lot of things, but sometimes your body won't cooperate. And I, I know how much Sue Bird loves this game. And I know the impact that she's had on this game, obviously, with all those helpers, not just the cyst, but all of the tutelage, all of the encouragement, all of the examples that she has had throughout her career at UConn, with USA Basketball winning five gold medals, and of course, throughout her WNBA career. I mean, it's just been masterful what she's been able to accomplish and the fact that she still has joy. She said she'll always love the game, and I love that too. But I love the fact that she can still give 100% of the 60%, yeah. you know, that she has, and and still continue to pour into the game. 
Yeah, I think she's third in assists right now. If I'm if I'm not mistaken, I'll look this up as I talk. Yeah. Um, pretty Vanderslut, sure she. Cloud and Bird. Yep. Yep. She's six point six assists a game. At yep. age, how old is she now? 40, 41? 41, I believe. Wow. That's crazy. Older that... than me. I'm just joking. Player wise, player wise, whatever. I mean, for, at 40 years old to still be having the impact that she's having is incredible. Um, but I think more so it's just like, you know, having having this be her official final year, which I think we were all assuming, you know, we were all assuming, we were all feeling like, yeah. hey, this is probably going to be it. Yeah. To have it officially yeah. be like that, you start, you know, reflecting and thinking about what her impact was on this game. And to me, like, um, we're going to talk about the Dream On documentary in a bit, but I just had, I just like right at the end of that documentary, they had the uh, footage of the 96 team going to meet and hang out with the 2021 team at the All-Star game, right? And I awesome. saw, and you see, you saw Jennifer Azey. Um, who was on the 96 team, go up to Sue Bird, who was obviously on the 2021 team, and go, you know, it sounds weird, but I'm proud of you. I thought that was just like a really yeah. interesting and sweet moment because, you know, I, obviously Jennifer Aze, I don't know how good, of, I don't know if they're good friends or whatever. I don't know what kind of right. role of mentorship they've had, but like, regardless of a relationship between them, I think Sue is kind of the great connector between that era and where yes. we are now, because she's been there for pretty much all of it you know she was there she came into the league in what 2002 and that was Mm -hmm. really when the when the league was just burgeoning and then she's gotten us to this point where we're still there's still a long way to go but they've come a long way and I think to me it's kind of like this idea of she's she's not only a pioneer because she is Mm -hmm. but she's she's that link she's like the last cowboy in the great west or something (laughs) Uh, and there's a, there's a bunch of, there's a few more players like this that are still around from those early days, but I just thought it was so interesting to think about, um, you know, how much she's, she's seen this league grow and how much it's changed and how much she's been a part of it and, and benefited from it, from those people who came before her and how much the people after her will benefit. Well, can we just talk about how excellent that documentary oh, was executed? Great documentary. So excellent. And just for a lot of reasons, a myriad of reasons. And Jennifer Azey and I came through college at the same time. Yeah. She was at Stanford, I was at Maryland, and we ended up playing professionally in Italy. At, as oh, really? Over there. Yeah. She was, um, I believe she was in, where was she? I know I was in Pistoia, um, and she was in, gosh, I want to say Bari, but I don't know if that's correct. But that was our Google first it. game. Yeah, Google that because that was our first game. We played against each other and we were both asking each other, hey, how are you doing? And I was like, how are you doing? <laughs> um, you know, so uh, I just say ciao. I told her, I said, I just say ciao for hello and goodbye and, and just kind of <laughs> keep it moving and stay to myself. Um, but it was fun, you know, just to be able to, to play against her in AAU um, as well, you know, all through high school and all of that. And um, she's from Tennessee. Um, played for the Tennessee Stars AAU and obviously went to Stanford to play for Tara. Um, Vanderveer won a championship there. But just to have that linchpin of Sue Bird, you know, being that player who has been able to span the the huh, the decades, right, yeah, so. of this game and how the game has evolved and for her to be a part of that. And to hear Candace Parker or to see a tweet by Candace Parker saying that she was 10 years old when that 90, 1996 team um, was playing for an Olympic gold medal 
um, that started a run of seven in a row now for, for USA basketball and, and how that inspired her at 10 years old. And then to see the, the mountain that Candace Parker has climbed, not only as a player, but as a mom of two now and a, an excellent broadcaster and just a, a, such a good example for our game. So it's just in terms of her hybrid um, abilities and her skill set and everything else. Mm-hmm. But just to, to hear that from Candace Parker and, and to hear Jennifer Azey thank a player like Sue Bird, it's like, man, Jennifer Azey, I mean, AZ FUD was named after Jennifer AZ. So this is long reaching, right? In terms of layers to it. I did um, not know that. Oh, yeah. I did this not know that. Oh, yes. Because Katie Smirka Duffy, who played at NC State and mm-hmm. also at Georgetown, finished her career at Georgetown, um, was a, a killer of a player, um, was rookie of the year in the ACC at NC State. But that's AZ FUD's mom. And Katie loved Jennifer Azey's game because she was exactly like that. You know, right. she was a, a tough-minded guard who could score, but also set her teammates up. But she named her daughter after Jennifer Azey. Wow. I mean, who does this, right? I mean, uh, but just the, I mean, the tenfold ability of what that 96 team created, uh, not just then in 96, but today, right? for a player like Candace Parker, who just won her championship back in her hometown. Mm-hmm. Like the motivation behind that 10 year old Candace Parker showed up in that championship game, right? Back yeah. at home where it all started when she was in Chicago as a 10 year old. Like just, I'm getting chills in my arm. And then with AZ Fudd going into her sophomore year at UConn being named after Jennifer AZ who was on that team. And it's just, I don't know, I could go on and on with historical facts, but um, the fact about Sue Bird is that she has been mesmerizing. <laughs> And just such a, a incomparable leader for the women's game and for basketball in general, for women's equality and, and for standing in the gap, you know, for these young women who look to her as a mentor and look for her as an inspirer to be their best selves. And I just love that. And I appreciate her and, and everything that she's been able to do. It's been a joy and honor to, to sit right there and watch her be a conductor of the game in the way that she has uh, both on and off the court so it, it's bittersweet but you appreciate everything that she has done to impact the game for sure and there was that one stat and I don't remember what it was I, I can't I remember I can't looked for it this morning I think it was Kevin Pelton who had so Kevin if you're listening send it to me, please. <laughs> uh, it's a stat that like Sue has assisted on like 34 percent of all of Seattle's the Seattle Storm's buckets ever something crazy like that like wow the longevity here is outstanding but you're I think the impact that you're talking about is really huge too I mean like like you're saying with just with Jennifer Azey you can find this lineage and we're gonna and I think we're gonna look back you know with Sue and and find the lineage of players that she that mentored that she mentored that um, you know, that came and tried to be like her and the players are coming up now and they're going to try to be like Sue Bird. Um, yes. It's going to be, it's going to be really cool. And, and then the other thing that I was thinking about too, is just like, it kind of feels like we're, we're in the end of an era, like officially now, like, you right. know, it's been happening um, for a few years. You know, right. we, the, the, the Minnesota Lynx dynasty is dissipated. Those players are going on to different things. Um, you know, we have Sylvia Fowles in her last year. So, you know, it, it's yeah. going to be another, it, it's another ending there. Candace Parker has said that she doesn't know how much longer she's going to play. Well, I don't know. Diane Taurasi might play until she's 50. So maybe. I love it. 
She's a baller, man. Don't get me started on DT. I love her. But go ahead. <laughs> so, I mean, we, I, DT may play until she's 50. I don't know. And she's she's, she's not playing that bad. So, uh, but, you know, it just kind of feels like we're, we're at the end of this era of this second. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if it's the second group, if you want to define it as Mm -hmm. that like the second group of pioneers you know the next 30 if we're thinking about 30 for 30 for women's basketball and telling the history of it in this sort of chapters way like we have that 96 team that kicked off the WNBA so that kind of kicks off the modern era uh, of women's basketball and what we're talking about Mm now and have Sue and Diana and and Maya Moore and Sylvia Fowles and Candace Parker and these players take this game to another level throughout their career right. now we're talking about you know at the we're going to eventually even this podcast talk about asia wilson and then that i don't know i don't know if that's like the third group or the fourth group or whatever but just like it's gone <laughs> like we're, we're nearing the end of this era of players who you know came came about right at the time when the WNBA was coming about because you know if if yeah if we switch jennifer az and sue bird's age right maybe maybe we're talking about jennifer az right now right because it's like maybe <laughs> right. she's still playing because she had all those opportunities. She didn't have to go to Italy. She didn't have to do. She could have played in the WNBA from the start, and, may, exactly. and may, maybe it changes, right? So it's just like to me, like that's what I've been thinking about. Is just like her place in in this story that we're trying to tell about women's basketball, um, mm-hmm. and just kind of you know the end of this this era is really is really uh, I don't know. It gives, it gives me some chills. I don't, I don't know if I'm uh, conveying that correctly, but it does. All right. You are. And I think, you know, at the end of the playoffs, when the crowd started chanting to Sue Bird saying one more year and she got choked up and, you know, it was riding that wave of emotion uh, in that moment, you kind of felt that, you know, she wanted to, to do it also, not just for herself, but obviously for the fans too. It's like they, they had a connection and they still have obviously with her still playing this year, but there was a connection in that moment mm-hmm. where the respect and the roses and the, the crowns are being tossed her way um, it's just for what she's been able to do. And, and no one wants to see that end, I think. And, and, and Sue did, which is why she suited up again for this season and said prior to this season that, hey, I'm coming back. And everybody was like, oh, let's go, Sue. And, you know, but sometimes you have to, you know, listen to your body, listen to your mind. Um, and listen to your heart. And I think for her, it, I know it was tough, uh, you know, making a, a tough decision about basketball is always hard, right? Um, especially when that's been your your stamp, okay? So for Sue, yeah, and for Sue Bird, like, she's just been phenomenal. And and, and it's a great example, I think, for, for other players who are gonna be long tenured in the WNBA. Um, just to not only realize how much you love the game, but how much you have left to offer the game physically. You'll always have a lot to offer the game mentally, but physically you don't want to be a, a detriment to your team, you know, physically speaking. Um, and that's maybe how she feels. And, and she hasn't said that, but I'm just saying like, as you get older, it, you know, physically, it, it may become harder to play people 20 years younger than you are. No. Um, the rookies, you know, coming out of college are 21, 22 years old, and she's 41. And, and you'd say age is nothing but a number until you try to stay in front of one of those kids, man. It's like, <laughs> it's hard to do. It's not easy. But, you know, I give her the, the most respect and, and a lot of reverence for 
just the guts and courage to get out there and be like, I don't care. You know, <laughs> um, all these years where it's been the topic for her every preseason, right? How many more years, Sue? Sue, what are you going to do this year? Mm -hmm. It's like, man, I'm not entertaining that. She was just giving to the game what she had. And, and right now to come to the agreement with herself that this is the end for her. I mean, that, that also takes a lot of courage and, and guts and, and moxie. I'm going to ask you about your favorite Sue Bird memory. So maybe start thinking about that. I do want to bring up mine. Um, I think it's a lot of ours, like uh, the 2018 uh, semifinal series between her and, and um, Diana Sarasi, between the Storm and the Mercury. Storm would win. Uh, was it game five? She goes off mm -hmm. for like 18 points in the fourth quarter. Yeah. Um, and that was the first time I remember someone text. I don't know if this was someone texting me or if it was on Twitter. Someone was like, you need to go and watch this basketball game right now. Like go, whatever you're doing, um, stop it and go and go watch this basketball game. And so I did. And it kind of like enamored yeah. me um, to the WNBA. And I was just thinking about that. And this is going to be a very weird analogy. And this is probably only going to go for like one person, but there was in, at WrestleMania in Miami in like 2014, I believe uh, there was what was called the end of the era match between uh the undertaker and triple h and obviously these people play like wrestled each other again but it was just like there was different things allowed they were they were able to do their own thing and it was supposed to be like this great send-off for them and obviously they stuck, stuck around for a while and that's how i feel about that um right that series that game it was like this was the send-off when these both these players are still at the peaks of their power uh, i feel right. it feels like they have you know lost a step since then not not saying that they're not good just like they they have lost a little bit Different. of a step they've, mm -hmm. they've lost a little bit of step um and just like we got this we finally got this match we have the we had this game um that creates this like lifelong memory and i know you know the end of an era match in at wrestlemania did that for a lot of people including <laughs> myself and this also did that it's just kind of like your th this is what it's not gonna it's not gonna be like this anymore um in this type of way and these two players who have you know been were so close um i don't think we're ever going to see a relationship like that i don't think we're going to see a game like that again um no. i don't think we're gonna have a moment like that again so it's just so wonderful no. that we actually got it and that's why it's my favorite uh sue memory yeah i i concur i mean i agree with that uh moment and that memory and and that battle I mean, it was tooth and nail, and you'd love to see the, the competitive fire in that series. But I think, you know, since you have that one, I'm gonna, I agree with mm -hmm. that. But to be present when she was the person who made the assist record mm -hmm. her own, um, she was in DC, and I was right. on the call for that game. Uh, Frank Hanrahan was our play by play in that game. And for him to, you know, to be sitting right next to Frank and he's calling that out saying the all-time assist leader in the WNBA is Stu Bird. And she got in the middle of the court and was waving to everyone. And I just looked at the fans and they were all standing up right. and they were all like, that's amazing. Um, so to be right there when she actually made the play to take her over the top, to be the all-time, all-time, all-time uh, assist leaders. I mean, that to me was pretty impressive. And I mean, there's been, I mean, we can span decades oh, yeah. and find, I mean, so many magical moments for Sue Bird, all the championships, all the gold medals, et cetera. But I think just to be the best in what you do, 
and to be recognized on the road for that and to be given your just due by receiving a standing ovation for that, that to me was the, the crowning glory for, uh, for what she's been able to do and accomplish and for it not to be points, right? Mm-hmm. No one wants to pass these days. Everybody wants to end one mixtape or take it up against three people. You've got two, three people wide open. Oh, don't I don't think started. that's true. I don't think that. You know, assisted what? assisted shots this year. Are, assisted shots this year are two are at their highest point ever. To me, I'm not talking WNBA. I'm uh, talking the kids. I'm talking a okay, a okay, yes. <laughs> sure, and high school. But they'll learn how to pass because they're going to get to the how college level. The college yeah. level, they all learn they how to pass. pass. All right, well, they they need to learn it now because when you get to college, you're not going to be able to do your own thing and, and go off and go one on five and stay in the game. You can try it, but when you get to college, you better pass that ball. I, Nobody, and, and S will get me on another tangent, but <laughs> I, I digress. But I don't like it. I mean, selfish basketball is is for selfish people in general. Right. And that's um, not what Sue Bird does. Right. No. And that's why I love that. Yeah. That's why I love that she has the record of the most passes to other people for the success. That's why she's on a successful uh, team. That's why she's been able to win on every single level. Mm-hmm. That's why she's been able to win in Europe and all over the place. I mean, that's not for nothing. I mean, she's an unselfish team player. And for her to hold that record, I mean, to me, that means the most. Can you get a bucket? Yeah. Can you get me a stop? That's great. Can you make a play for the team? 34% you said of her. Assist, I don't know. That, or, I, or I don't, I don't know the exact number. Someone send me something close to that. It was something close. It was something close. It was close, oh, close enough. That's like that. Everybody needs to aspire to be that kind of player, be a selfless team player and set your team up for success. Let that be your example. High school and AAU buddies. Let that let that help hey, you. Someone, out because... Someone's got to make the shots though. The reason yeah. the reason Super has the assist record is because okay. she played with some awesome players. We had Lauren Jackson, we had Brianna Stewart, we had Joel Lloyd. Yeah, she, she does. There, she needs some bucket getters around her too. So right. find find you on the basketball court. That's you know? true too. There's no That's young too, but young people ball. don't listen to podcasts, so it's fine. Actually, I don't well, know. they don't listen to me. Oh, I didn't want to ask the game. I say pass the ball, they're gonna listen to me anyway. <laughs> anything, <laughs> move the ball, any, man. Anything else like on Super uh, before we? Oh, I just that we love her. I mean, yeah, I mean, the game loves her, and you know, the fans love her, and she loves both all the way back. Uh, I just think it, it's um, it's a beautiful, uh, like I said, bittersweet moment. Right. Yeah. I mean, you, you hate to see her go, but you understand why she's she's deciding to step away. Yeah. Well, I mean, well, I think it'll hit more in the playoffs. Um, and this team's really good. The Seattle team's awesome. I and mean, we haven't talked a ton about them because you you know you know what you know about the Seattle Storm. Um, but they're yeah. nine and five right now. They're in fourth. Right. Uh, you know, Brandon Stewart's having a heck of a season as per usual. Mm-hmm. Jewel Lloyd's having a heck of a season as per usual. Ezzy Magbor's <laughs> taking a huge step up. Um, this, <laughs> So, yeah, I mean, as Seattle Storm, we do have to do a bigger deep dive into what's happening with them this year. Um, but just it's going to be a lovely time to really get the uh, now the official. We have the official uh, going away tour for for Sue right. to go along with the going away tour for uh, Sylvia Fowles, who is injured, unfortunately, which is I can't believe she hurt her knee. 
Just can't believe she hurt her knee, Gabe. I was oh, looking forward to all that- the, you know, the wave. And the, I really, we had the game with her in Dallas and they gave her the, the 10 gallon hat and it was adorable, but what it's fine. It's fine. She'll be back soon. She'll be back soon. Um, let's move on though. And let's talk more about that uh, documentary um, on ESPN, Dream On, that the 1996 um, women's basketball Olympic team What, in my opinion, I watch a lot of these. I've watched a lot of the 30 for 30. Uh, This is one of the best ones. Uh, This had a really last dance feel to it um, because they had all that archival footage that you've never seen before. It's very long. Mm -hmm. Like, that was another thing that was huge. Usually, you know, ESPN's going to try to scrunch this down to 90 minutes and they let it breathe. And they let this documentary breathe, which was a surprise for me because I sat down to watch it at like 11 p.m. And I was like, oh, mm-hmm. so I was up until like 2 a.m. last night, but it was well, <laughs> it was well worth it because the documentary right. was so good. And I think the reason it was so good is because it was real. You know, yeah. it didn't yeah. sugarcoat any of the no. stuff that the women had to go through on and mm-hmm. off the court. It didn't sugarcoat the stuff, the, the bad stuff that uh, USA Basketball did. It didn't sugarcoat how hard Tara Vandeveer was on this team. Yeah. And you know, I, it didn't try to, 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 to make the edges less rough. It left those rough right. edges and let you see the entire picture. And I just thought it was really, you know, it was inspiring and real and, and just like an awesome documentary. If you haven't watched it, like definitely go watch it. It's on ESPN. Yeah. I, I mean, it was amazing. And to know that Tar Vanderveer, you know, who just won another championship yeah, right. <laughs> just the year before last, um, you know, she's been at it for 30 years. And to have that big gap in time between her college championships with Stanford, but to also sprinkle in the fact that she was the pioneer for that 96 team. And she knew that women's basketball was on the precipice of taking a huge jump because of the visibility and success of that team. So I think she really took it to heart to challenge that group, to give them the expectations of excellence. And for them to stand in that purpose was just what basketball is all about, right? And for her to be the one to conduct that moment for those young women at that point in time, I mean, it was, it was just poetic, right? It was supposed to happen then. It was, it was supposed to happen the way it was supposed to happen. And she knew how to make it happen. And I think that is most impressive uh, for me, for her to know that, like, it wasn't just rah, rah. Yeah. We have a lot of media following us like this is no, it's like, yeah, we have those things. We are visible. We have the media following us. There's a lot of pictures to be taken and all that. But when we get into this gym, we're going to do this together. We're going to get, we're going to have camaraderie. We're going to be connected on both sides of the floor. And, and again, we're going to be selfless about this thing, like be a star in your role. And she challenged each of them to, to step into that historical linchpin, if you will, for women's basketball. Mm -hmm. And when you look back at the WNBA, just think if that 96 situation or that experience didn't happen, would the WNBA be here for its 26th year? I don't know know if I can answer that. Um, I just think that it was the stamp that the game needed, right? Um, And the fans were right there for that first game 
you know, between LA and New York in the yeah. WNBA, but they knew those players because of that 96 team. Exactly. And, and that's led to the fandom of for today. And to see them at the end, like you said, be with that 2021 team, you know, the USA basketball team and, and to just hug that out and give them flowers for their um, ability to be the foundation mm -hmm. for what the WNBA is today. I just thought that was uh, just, I don't know, it was incredibly moving, but the purpose of that um, still lives through the game and it will continue to Im be impactful for players to come, especially in, in the USA basketball ranks. Yeah. And, and I think that was um, the thing that this documentary did a great job conveying was the sense of pressure, you know, because yeah. that's what you're saying. Like it, it, they, they also knew that the WNBA may not be here if we don't accomplish our goals. It, like if True. we don't, if we not only don't, if we don't win, which right. obviously they're, they're basketball players, they don't want to not win, but we got to do it with a, a certain style and, yep. and, uh, you know, grace and, and captivate, like you, you have to captivate the audience and say, Hey, yeah. look, look at this product more closely. And, you know, I think, um, they, the other thing the documentary did a good job of conveying was like how much the sequencing of things had to happen, right? Like UConn mm -hmm. getting good right when, you know, ESPN was looking for stuff to put on TV and UConn mm -hmm. being in the backyard of ESPN, it pushed right. the sport to new heights. Um, mm -hmm. obviously Pat, Pat Summit's career yeah. at Tennessee and, and her rivalry with Gino also helped push yeah. the sport. Um, but certainly for the WNBA specifically, this was the thing that kicked off and they knew that the players had a really acute understanding of how much pressure they were under just in that regard. Forget about, forget about just the winning right. the games and winning the medal it was about something that was so much bigger and they had that knowledge at the time. And that's what mm -hmm. I think the documentary did an excellent job of showing it. Just like how much pressure everyone yeah. else was under. Cause then when you watch like, you know, the men's dream team documentary, oh, oh yeah, I guess they had, they had to play against each other and they cared about winning and all those guys are psychos, right. but like, if I'm not I'm the, in a nice way, right. in a nice way. but like they didn't have the same sort of pressure. If it doesn't work out, if the dream team doesn't work out, guess what? The NBA is still doing great. Um, and you know, hey, maybe Jordan doesn't. Maybe Jordan doesn't have a billion dollars now, but he definitely has hundreds of millions, right? So that's the difference. Right. Is that everything was on the line for the women's team in 1996? They had yeah. to. They had to win. They had to do it convincingly, and they had to put on a show in order yes. to get people's attention into women's basketball. And they did exactly that. And like you mentioned, I don't know if we're here without them. And I think that handling right. that pressure, handling the situations that they were dealt, you know, I think they mm -hmm. made, they, they mentioned that they only made um, like $50,000 for that entire year. For the months. year. Yeah, yeah. Or I think, I think it was slightly over a year. I also never, I never put two and two together that Tara left Stanford at yeah. that time. She did. I, I didn't put that together to be honest um, before this documentary. So I didn't think about that. So everyone had to sacrifice a ton. They traveled a ton. The accommodations were not great. Like they really had to sacrifice and put everything on the line for what we have now. And I think that's, that's an extremely noble thing to, because to put something on the line for something that you're getting and obviously these players got great benefit, but they knew that 
it was for the future generations and, and they put everything they had on the line sacrificed so much for for us and the and the basketball yeah. watching public now absolutely and it continued because didn't Nell Fortner step away at Purdue yes. prior to the next Olympic mm-hmm. games in 2000 right so in 99 she stepped away from Purdue Carolyn Peck took that team to a yeah. national championship as head coach in her absence so if you didn't know that well that happened too so there's a lot of sacrifice during that moment in time of women's basketball and the labor of love that it took to get those seeds planted so that we can walk through this forest right now that is the WNBA and I think that it's it's just been um, an incredible example of what can be done when you commit to excellence and execution and expectation. I think the expectation piece was still in place last year in 2021 for Dawn Staley when she was the head coach of the Olympic team. And she said as much, like, it's more of a relief to have won it to, I mean, you're celebrating in the moment, obviously you're excited and, and what a year for her winning a college championship at South Carolina, but didn't to get that gold medal as a coach, a head coach this time after winning it as an assistant and as a player several times over. But she said it was, it's still a lot of pressure. Like, can they get seven? Right. And, and it's always going to be there for USA women's basketball. Um, And not that, that right now where we are with the WNBA, that's going to, you know, break whatever we have going now with the league. It's, it's different than it was in 96, but I believe that there's still a form of pressure that's in place to keep the excellence afloat. And to have Dawn Staley say that, um, that she was feeling that pressure as a head coach to bring it on home, that's a lot. I mean, yes, it's a lot of pressure too at South Carolina for South Carolina right? But when you're talking about the entire country and everyone's counting on you to keep this streak going, Dawn, you did it as a player, you did it as a coach. So when she's laying down on the pillow at night, her eyes are popped open, looking Mm -hmm. at the ceiling, like, I get this, right? So she's got to drive this team to that point. And, And she did that. But I just think for her to speak on what she felt like in her role as a head coach, after going through the pressure of in 96 being excellent and winning the gold and really starting something great with the WNBA, I think that experience helped her last year. Yeah. So she needed that, she needed that 96 experience as a player, right. Um, To be great. And she knew what it took to get them that gold medal for the seventh time over. Yeah. I think that that feeling that pressure too is a little different than, you know, anything else you're going to deal with. Um, and, 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 you know, to a certain extent, right. Like it's an analogy for life as basketball always is like women, especially black women do not have the same margin of error as everyone else. So if they don't, right. Like let's, if 96 loses, you know, who's pulling the plug, the NBA is. So we don't get the WNBA even. Um, and even though that's, that's BS in my opinion, because obviously if you saw the investment potential in WNBA, but whatever, like it did, it certainly probably would have gone down like that if that 96 team loses. And I think that sort of pressure always comes back. It's like, you know, as soon as the, the U S women's team loses, uh, it's going to be very different reaction than it was to the men losing when they lost. It's all right. It's not going to be like, Oh, we need to get back on top. It's gonna be like, Oh, what's wrong with these people. Right. And it's just that sort of that sort of pressure is different. And dealing with that pressure in 1996, that immense pressure, I'm sure has prepared all of these people 
to greatly oh. impact our world of basketball. And that was the other thing that I was kept, I kept thinking about too, is like, you look at this roster and almost everyone is involved in the game in some way, or they're involved in their community or they're making impact on people around them. <laughs> and it's so cool. It's just so cool that like yeah. we're watching tape of Don Staley play for the 96 team. Yeah. And she just coached, like you mentioned, just coached the 2021 team, you know, exactly. Uh, Jennifer Azy, who we just talked about, like is now a, a part, a big part of the ACEs organization. Um, right. You know, you, you just look up and down the line. Everyone's had such a hand in creating the thing that they allowed to create. And that to me was always really cool. It, it was very, it was just very uh, interesting. I don't know if it's interesting. It's it's just cool. <laughs> I don't have a better word for it. I'm sorry. No. <laughs> I mean, no. have a better vocabulary, but like, I just found it so cool, very inspiring. And I, I, I am so more appreciative of what they did, all of them, um, for our game of basketball. Yeah, I mean, it's impactful for sure. And I, I think they all recognize that to this day. Mm -hmm. I mean, they recognized it in 96, but I think they didn't just stop there, right? Mm -hmm. It was like, okay, we got the gold medal. I didn't just walk away and, and go work on Wall Street somewhere. They were like, no, it's still up to us to continue to mentor, to encourage, to develop, to fight for the women's game. So it wasn't just, okay, now the WNBA is here and yeah. see you later. It's like, no, like you said, there's still so many of those players who are woven into the fabric of this league and, and it's for um, the greater good. And mm -hmm. they know their labor of love didn't stop in 96 when they won it they're still invested and, and they're still hopeful. And I think that kind of mentality, it just catapults these young kids watching yep. them play in the WNBA or watching the aces who are, you know, it has Jennifer AZ in the front office. Like these are the, the people that are continuing to cultivate what this game means and not just X's and O's and all the tactical things, which are fun to watch. That's fun. Um, but but the camaraderie and the fight for equality and and the you know the togetherness that that team sports represents and I think when you say that about professional sports I mean I think the first league that you think about in that regard is the WNBA oh, should be period point blank the end and uh, and there's a reason for that I think because there's been some tireless effort put into um, gassing up this bus that is uh, called respect. And I think those players put in that time, put in that respect, and are continuing to make deposits daily to the success for the next generation of players who are going to come in and have their example be right there in front of them. And man, I'm telling you, it's it's a it's a major deal, and it may not seem like a major deal, but you know, to have gone through the game and understood like you know all the discrepancies and you know, to see how the game has come along and evolved in that way. And to know there's still so much more to be yeah. done. Um, that should give people hope. That shouldn't be something that, that is, a, a, you know, a situation for despair. Like you, it can't be like, Oh my God, there's still yeah. so much. No, it's like, Oh my gosh, there's still so much to do. Look what they did. I can do it too. And make us jump even further, right. you know, move that needle even and further up. So I think the investment is there, the example of the investment and what can be done when you do it together 
um, for the common good of the team. And the team is all of us, right? The yep. team is not just these 12 teams in WNBA or the one USA basketball team. No, it's everyone who is invested in the success of women's sports in general. Um, I know one of my uh, best friends in college, Tracy Davis, she played soccer at Maryland. Mm -hmm. And I remember us talking on the phone and crying when the 96 team won. Because yeah. we were like, this is so great because the soccer team won too. Right. Right. And so we were like, we were like, yes, like, this is how we're supposed to do it. This is what it's all about. And how amazing was that? And we were like sharing happy, like, it was like this crazy thing, like, oh my gosh, they're, they're respecting us. Like, oh my gosh, like, here we go. Like, this is what we've been waiting for. Um, but to see it like through a soccer player's eyes and yeah. for my friend Tracy to see it through my eyes, you know, um, that, that will always be a memory for me. Um, to know that there there's possibility and hope for more right. and I think you know if for nothing else that's where we still stand today 26 years in to the WNBA I totally agree I couldn't agree with that more um yeah no I'm I'm, I'm it was a good documentary we need more of these more more of this stuff yes more of this stuff. we do I, I mean, no. it's just really, it was really well done. So um, shouts to, to everyone involved in making it. Um, I did, so I want to talk about one more thing and we could talk about a bunch of things. So if you got anything else in particular on the documentary, um, I actually, I, I thought the story, uh, Venus Lacey story was really um, interesting. Um, and it was a very good bookend just to like see, you know, how yeah. she, mem like how she, she was in a car crash. She has amnesia. So she has has lost some of these memories, but then when she came back with the people around her, you know, she she was able to relive that. And I thought that was so so interesting. If that was the only positive that came out of the documentary, I think that was that was worth it. Um, yeah. But the part I really wanted to talk about was how Tara Vanderveer treated Rebecca Lobo, because I thought that was fascinating. Um, and I thought the part where so they go to the team goes to Connecticut. Uh, mm -hmm. They play in Gamble. They play UConn. Uh, obviously, they're going to win. Um, and then they, you know, Rebecca barely, like, plays. And then they had Gino talking about it. And Gino was like, oh, you know, when we play in someone's city, you know, we just, we bring out, and we have a college player on the team, like, we bring out that player so they get hugs and kisses. And Tara was like, we didn't have time for hugs and kisses. This was really <laughs> serious. I just thought that was super interesting view into those two coaches who continually play each other to this day of how they yep. view the situation that they're in and just like their relationship to each other. Like, I wonder if that's ever like, I don't think Tara <laughs> has tension with anybody. I think Gino has tension no. with everybody. I think, <laughs> right. <laughs> so I, I, I feel like that was just like a great way of looking at, at their relationship. That was, and, and I think for Tara, I mean, you have to understand the timing of Rebecca being on that team. Yeah. She was like one of the youngest, if not the youngest, on that roster, I mean, if you look at the men's dream team and how Christian Leitner was treated, mm -hmm. like hand play, and right. and you can't, and just because you're at home doesn't give you that right. Like, okay, you're gonna start in front of Lisa Leslie. No, you're not. And and no disrespect, I love me some Rebecca Lobo. I talked to her yeah, the other really. day when she was in D.C. We were exchanging mom stories. She has four babies. Um, her oldest just graduated high school, so that's my girl. And this is no disrespect, but I'm just comparing and contrasting what Christian Leitner went through yeah. on the men's side, it, that equates to what Rebecca Lobo went through in 96 on that team. And um, the sacrifice 
of being the star and the, the champion at UConn and, and going back there. And I think the fans may have understood maybe um, that, mm. I mean, you have players who are in fans rarely understand. I know, but I mean, as a basketball mind, like a coach, like if there are coaches there, they're probably like, exactly. it's great to see Rebecca back here, yeah. but I understand they're trying to get the continuity. They're trying, they went on that whole college tour to get the chemistry, right? To win the mm-hmm. title, right? To win the gold. And so, you know, no disrespect to Rebecca whatsoever. And I totally understand Tara. And she did get some minutes. It wasn't like she didn't get yeah. any minutes. She, yeah, got some. she got some. And that's good. That was good for them. And I know Rebecca wanted to play. I mean, because she was a killer, right? I mean, it was she, Rebecca she, Lobo, yeah. like, hello. Um, but I understand it. So, I mean, some people may, may or may not understand it that way, but I get it. And I, I know, I know, you know, Gino wanted to see her out there, but I mean, he's been an Olympic coach, right? Yeah, he's done this to people. He's definitely done this to people. I don't need to look it up. He's definitely done this to people. So he understands on yeah. some level. And I know that's his kid. And you always fight for your kids. Yeah. I, I always, so I understand that too. Um, but yeah, I get I get where Tara was coming from, but I also get where Gina was coming from. I also get where the fans are coming from. But we need we need can we need can a Candace documentary about <laughs> I want Candace Parker to make a documentary about Gina. Just just so we get the other side of this. How long would that be though? Oh, that'd be a long documentary. <laughs> would that be 90 minutes or two hours? That's a ten parter. Yeah. That's a that's, that's a ten, that's a last dance. <laughs> That's the last that, dance. That, that, that's the last dance. That's the one. Right? <laughs> we, well, let's, let's talk about uh, current <laughs> modern modern basketball. We've gone uh, pretty All long right. here uh, with, without you. talking about the current WNBA. Obviously, we love Sue. Obviously, we love the documentary. We just have to talk about it. Um, let's talk about Asia Wilson um, having art. I think that, I mean, I don't actually know if this is her best season because Asia's had some very good She's ones in the past. To me, this is her best season. I'll say that. Yeah. Uh, just the way I, she's playing, what she's doing on both ends of the court has been mm-hmm. outstanding. Uh, last couple games have been just dominant for her. Uh, you wanted to talk about her um, it, coming in. So what 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 have you seen from Asia? I saw a massive block that I almost lost all the hair Ooh. on my head when I saw her. I mean, the one yesterday? Was, yes. On the it marina? Vicious. Yes. Lord have mercy. That ball was in the air. I don't even know how she got it, but she got up with her left hand and just sent that thing. I was in, you know, I love me a good block. So if you don't know by now, you know I love a good block. But she just anticipated and it was perfection. No body contact whatsoever. Just got the ball out of the air and just gated it. It was beautifully executed. But I Mm -hmm. think more so for me this year, with Asia Wilson, I also believe that this is her best year. And I know she's been MVP before, but I think she's she's the MVP. Right now, today, yeah. it's Asia Wilson as the MVP of the league. And I know we still have over half of the season to go, but I just think the way that she has been able to conduct herself in double-double fashion um, and to be the ultimate rim protector for the Aces and the fact that they're number one. Uh, you can say what you want about other players and there, I mean, there's so many great players in the league, mm-hmm. but if your team is the best and your stats are the best on the best team in the league, what are we talking about? Like what else is there to say until that changes, right? Change that. And then I'll change where I am with, 
who was the MVP today. Um, but I think Asia Wilson has just been magnificent. And you have to respect the winning um, that Las Vegas is doing with her, um, being at her best. So that's where I am with her. I love it. She's balling out. Yeah, so the uh, last two games, I'll just read her stat line. So she, on the 5th of June, she had eight points on four of 11 shooting. She took it personally that she had that bad of a game because the next game she comes out, she puts 35 points, 11 rebounds, two steals, an assist, and four blocks. Four of them. On the Los Angeles Sparks, who are not a small team. This is not one of those teams that is small. Um just absolutely clobbered them. And then in the, her next game, just, you know, ho-hum, uh, 25 points on 11 of 16 shooting, five rebounds, two steals yet again, an assist, and four blocks. Um, four again. She has had five games now. One, two, three, four, five. Five games, yes. Five games now with four more blocks. Ezzy Magbegor has had uh, four, I want to say. Um, mm -hmm. Actually, I, I, maybe I was looking at the wrong stat. I'll, I'll redo that research. Um, but Ezzy and her are the only players that have even that many games with that many blocks. Like, yeah, crazy amount of blocks. The way she's playing defense is outstanding. She's been everywhere. She's been, uh, she's found mm -hmm. a way, which is really impressive. I think this is the hardest thing to do as a dominant offensive player is figuring out a way to contribute on the defensive side without gassing yourself. That's a right. lot. Of, a lot it's, it's hard to give that full effort on both ends. Right. Um, and she's been able to do that. I think the reason she'll be able to do that is because she's become such a smart defender. She's seeing angles a lot more. I think Becky Hammond's defense, uh, defensive mentality has also changed up what she's trying to do. So it, it has put her in a really great position. And I think she's found a little bit more endurance and she's found she just gotten a little bit better, right? Like this is what the great players do. They just get a little bit better every year. And then you look down, they're just absolutely dominating your team. And you're like, how, how this happened? And so, well, <laughs> she's just continuing to find ways to get better and understand this game um, more. That being said, I did want to get back to the MVP conversation. Cause you know, I said that, I said that, and she is my MVP. I'm not, I'm not saying she right. isn't, but um, you know, I think it's, I think it's fair to say that her teammates have also taken a huge leap forward under Becky Hammond mm -hmm. and that, you know, how much, how much percentage of this are, are we giving all these wins? Are we giving to Asia Wilson rather than her teammates? It's still right. a lot, but is it more than say, you know, maybe a Brianna Stewart or maybe, you know, um, I don't know. I don't know who else do you want to put in this conversation. Maybe John Cole Jones, Right. Uh, mm -hmm. Other players who are kind of, you know, pushing their teams like I, I don't know who which one of those players you want to go with, because I don't know, Jackie Young and Kelsey Plum have also had a little bit of MVP buzz. Right. So it's like, yeah, yeah. I, it, I just wanted to throw that out there that maybe she's not. There's an argument against her being the MVP at the very least at the moment. I hear what you're saying, but I don't agree. And that's fine because that you still might. Oh, um, <laughs> hey, I agree. No, I agree that she's the MVP right now. Oh, you there's an argument. No, there's an argument that she's not. Because okay. I was just thinking, like, you know, hey, are we gonna? How much? I don't like the best, the best player on the best team. That to me is not like the most compelling argument for an MVP. Oh. Oh. I think it should be a little bit more holistic, um, okay. right? Because if she's the best player on the best team, because she has 
you know, someone feeding her the ball really well or a great system or she doesn't have to do as much, which is not what's happening here. That's not, it's not necessarily what's happening here. But I'm just saying, like, there's an, argue, there's an argument that she's not the MVP at the moment. And I think- Brandon- Not for me. Listen, I hear what you're saying, but I don't, I don't know. For me, it's holistic to have the best player on the best team be the MVP. That's just me. I, okay. you know- I, don't, I know there are so many other analytical factors that go into it. I think Jackie Young right now has been magnificent, but I also think that she is up for most improved at the moment. And I, okay. you know, yeah, she's flirting with MVP, but yeah, but I, I don't know. And going back to Asia Wilson, I think the style of play that Becky Hammond has this team playing, it's not inside out, it's outside in. And mm-hmm. I think that has afforded Wilson more spacing so that she can go to work a little more effectively and efficiently inside. I think, you know, that's changed the way teams play defense against the Las Vegas Aces. They're not focused on their, their paint prowess as much as they are about their, their pace of play, number one, and their ability to knock down threes. So they haven't had that um, with this Aces team, but the fact that they do now, yeah. Um, has been really fun to watch um, Becky Hammond just reform that team and the philosophy on the offensive side. Um, but they're tough defensively too, so I'm not taking that away from them. But I think when you look at Las Vegas and what they've been able to do on the offensive side, I think that's really benefited Asia Wilson and her consistent play. It's it's a really easy argument to make for her being the MVP. <laughs> She leads, oh, the, she leads the league in a lot of categories. Um, yeah. She, no, she's just been, she's just been incredible. And, you know, I, I, I just, yeah, what I was trying to get at too is like, I don't think this is like some sort of big leap. I just don't, I think it's just, this is, you know, a, another step forward. Those threes are really nice. Let me see how many threes she's taken um, this year. Uh, do, 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 do. She has taken 26 threes. That would be more than the rest of her career combined by a lot okay it's a difference Uh, maker the trail uh, three is sitting right there uh she she has taken 26 threes this year uh she has taken 28 threes in her entire career (laughs) so this year this year counts for a lot of her threes um not hitting them to uh, at a great number yet um 26.9 percent seven of 26 but just the threat as you're mentioning the threat of her getting the ball out there and being able, being willing to shoot um, is so important. Uh, and then her ability to drive too has also just taken yes. another, another mini step forward. And with that ability to at least pull to make people think you're going to shoot has just opened yeah. up the lane for her. And she has been blowing by people. She's been giving people crossovers too, which yeah. and she's done it before in the past, but just happening with such consistency and from the three point line too, Whereas, you know, I think under Bill, um, she was more at the elbows. So just right. that ability has been outstanding. Um, and, and her her mini steps forward, just keep keep going. And I think this is just going to mm-hmm. be a, a player that we're going to keep looking back on year in, year out and say, wow, she had this little thing to her game. Oh, wow. She had this little thing to her game. She had this little thing to her game. And she and she's becoming stronger. She's becoming better. She's becoming smarter. Like, you know, this, this yeah. is the this is what we're going to see going forward. No doubt. And I think, you know, you're talking about her ability to drive, right? If you're going to close out on her threes, you have to respect that range from her. But now when she drives, there's not a lot of rotation because people aren't helping off the ball side corner. So she's left-handed. 
she's going to be driving that left that left elbow area a rip and go right there you're not going to leave the corner mm-hmm. on ball side so now you have a free lane to the rim so i think i mean that's what i'm talking about when i'm talking about how the philosophy on the opposite side has changed so much for Las Vegas. I had all the stats in my head when when the Mystics played them and beated them uh, earlier this season. But I, I think it was forty some percent of their offense comes from outside the paint this year, as opposed to yeah. it being flipped last year. So I just think when you have it, um, when you have that flexibility, and you have the players again, the personnel that fits that kind of philosophy, which Las Vegas does, uh, you're seeing that um, Asia Wilson benefiting from that that spacing that's created because of it so i just wanted to i'm looking at the advanced stats here um uh, just, yeah i kind of want i kind of i just kind of want like a, contr- a contrarian asia wilson may not be the mvp i don't know uh we need some more <laughs> intrigue like in like right now the the mvp conversation is not that interesting to me at the moment because we both agree that asia is gonna win um but to be fair Brandi stewart is first in wind shares um so she's oh. first in wind shares at 3.0 Asia Wilson is second at 2.8. John Quill Jones is fourth at 2.7. Jackie Young is fifth at 2.7. Do you want to guess who number two is? Number two. So wind shares. No, I don't want to guess. You have to just tell me. <laughs> I, I, someone has to tell me what wind shares is spe- specifically, but I guess it's just like a statistical right. measure of how many wins you uh, give to your team. Number two is Brianna Jones of the Connecticut Sun. And oh. she's actually been up there in a lot. Like, I, I want to say she's been up in that top five uh, for a lot of the years because it lasts like three years just because she has had such a big impact um, when, when Connecticut has a player down or whatever. She steps right up, and um, her defense her defensive impact has been huge. Um, I know. I mean, it's a little, it's a little noisy, obviously. But uh, the other noisy stat, and this is the thing that I think is incredible and I want to throw out. I'm going to say it now. I'm not using player efficiency rating anymore for, for the WNBA okay. at least. Because this is what All it right. says of okay. the most efficient players in the league at the moment. Number one is Brianna Stewart, 30.1 uh, 30. PER. Okay, that's number one. Number three okay. is Asia Wilson, 26.3. Okay. okay. So one and three. That makes sense. This makes sense, right? These are two MVP candidates. This makes sense. Um, number two is Han Zhu at 26.8 PER. Han has been incredible. Han has not been, she has not been the second best player in the league. I know it's not what that's that's trying to define, but it's kind of used that way. Um, little high for Han. Then at number four, we have Liz Cambage 24.7 and then number five we have Neka Gumake at 24.5 so yeah I'm tossing out I'm tossing out PR yeah we're just going with best player and the best team <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna do, we're gonna do the EYE test the I test here and just say hey Asia Asia's dominant that's Asia, it Asia's, Asia's <laughs> uh anything else on Asia before before we move on uh no I, I you know I just respect a player that works hard to maintain themselves and I you know I tip my hat off to her right now. We're not even halfway through, but she's mm-hmm. she's killing it, and I love to see it. So good, good for Asia. Uh, let's talk about the Mystics, as we always do on this podcast. Um, we actually we actually held the Mystics talk until the end, uh, which is kind of incredible for us. Uh, did we? I think we, no, no, we snuck some Mystics mentions in there at some point. A little bit. Uh, 
little bit. Uh, you so you want to talk about Shakira Austin? Uh, I'll give. Here's just a, you know what post possession, lobbing it in. Tell me about Shakira. Oh man, listen for her to have the absorption of the information that she's been given since training camp and to apply what she's learned this early and as effectively and efficiently as she has, I'm, hey, she's up for rookie of the year. And I know we're not giving out awards yet, but I just think right now as it stands, and there's some tremendous rookies in the league, but I just think the jump that she has made and to hear Mike Tebow's voice in my head from media day and prior to the season on draft night, you know, hey, she's got to get used to maybe not playing a whole lot. And then now she's starting and and not just starting, but she has her second career double-double already uh, in the last game against Phoenix. So, I mean, I don't even know if they saw this jump happening so quickly uh, for Shakira Austin. Yes, the potential was there. That's why they drafted her number three. But I think she has exponentially yes. served this team so well. Um, and her ability to, to block shots, as we were talking about with Elizabeth Williams in there too, but her ability to score the ball in the paint at a high level has really been something that the Mystics are going to continue to count on. Um, with Elena Deladon taking games off for rest, mm-hmm. um, and and just to get herself right i love that too um and you have to to recognize like we were saying about Stu bird about your body and to do what's right for your body at this time and that's fine but what that has afforded shakira austin is the opportunity to compete to start and and to play big minutes i mean she was really gasping for air at the end of the third quarter because she has poured everything in and she's going hard every moment that she's in the game. So you have to respect that um, about a player um, who is coming into the league wearing the number zero because everyone's counting her out, but she's counted herself in. And now Mike Tebow's counting her in the starting lineup. And she has just been outstanding. And I, I'm just excited for her upside. And we knew there was an upside, but we thought her upside would be more proven coming off the yeah. bench. No, I, I, I'm kind of, I'm, I'm not kind of surprised. I'm very surprised that she has been able to come in and make this impact. And it's not because she's not a great, she's not a really good player. Um, I mean, the, the thing about the zero thing too, is like, you were the third pick in the draft. Like how many people were actually counting? That? Um, but we're, we're, whatever. Um, but I think the thing that surprised me the most is her ability to just be plugged in and, and make an impact. And I think that's what Mike Tebow said after, the team's win against Phoenix. She put up yeah. 16 and 10. She was yelling in Tina Charles's face. Um, the two things he said about her is like, she has no fear. She has nothing. Yeah. There's not, there's no fear. There's no worry. She just comes in and does things. And right. the second thing was, is that he told her like, I'm not going to run a lot of plays for you. You're going to have to figure out a way to contribute to this team without you're getting the ball in the post without you, you know, Fi- uh, getting plays drawn up for you. You're going to have to figure out how to move, how to be a pest on the defensive end and get rebounds because that's how you're going to touch the ball. And she that's has cool. immediately just picked that right up. She's always in the right spot. She's finding, um, she's figuring out this offense really quickly. She's, she did it like a really nice baseline cut against Phoenix. And it's like, this is just a little thing, but it gets you a basket because That's you right. timed up the baseline cut on the right time. And, and not that she didn't do this in Ole Miss. It was just a very different 
way that she sure. was playing and a different role that she had. And she just come in and mm-hmm. immediately fit in. And, you know, I think the, the thing I love about her is like, Tebow's right. She has no fear. She does not, right. she does not seem to care that this is now the WNBA. It just doesn't, it has no, had no effect on her. She has been herself. Right. It was funny in the post game, she was with uh, Alicia Clark and Elena Deladon. And those two are the oldest players on the team, the most veteran players on the team. And, you know, they come in and they're, and they're in their warmups. They've changed a little bit. And Shakira's in her uniform. She has neat, she has ice on her knees and she's hanging out in socks and sandals. And I was just like, and she's like, just talking. And she's like, yeah, you know, I got to start showing up more on time and stuff. I'm like, how is this, ha- like, how have you come in and just immediately like been like, I'm a part of this. Like, you know, I'm okay right. saying that sometimes I show up late. Why? Because I know these people got my back. And I think it's a testament to her. Uh, and to her mentality of coming in and just being herself. And it's mm-hmm. also a testament to the Mystics organization of having a, an organization that's set up for this person to come in and feel comfortable being themselves and feel comfortable talking uh, about themselves in the way that they want to. Um, right. I just think it's really, it's really, really cool uh, in that regard. And it's been absolutely massive for the Mystics. It cannot be overstated yeah. that they would not be in the position they are in no. without Shakira Austin. Absolutely true. And I mean, when she was at Ole Miss, when Shakira was at Ole Miss, I mean, I, I believe she had a 30% usage rate yeah. on the offensive side. And that's a huge adjustment to make when you come to the professional ranks. And I remember Mike Tebow saying, no, we're not going to run a lot for you. But I always love to say this, uh, just in general. I mean, and, I, and going back to high school and AAU, not really passing the ball a whole lot, um, get your own touch and get to the boards, get your own touch and get a steal, get your own touch and lock in and get up underneath somebody defensively. That's how you get a touch, touch a, a block shot, get your touches on your own. And I think, um, you know, back in the day when I was playing in, against guys, it was like, I wasn't going to get the ball mm-hmm. unless I did. So I think it's like the same thing um, for Shakira Austin, just owning uh, ways to be involved, uh, ways to be engaged in the moment, making great reads like that slip on the baseline against Phoenix. Like those are the things that that are instinctive. And sometimes that's the best way to play. I think actually all the time, that's the best way to play. I mean, you you definitely have to think things through, but sometimes it's just your instinct. No one has to tell you, hey, Shakira, take that cut. Like, hey, Shakira, the defense is playing right here. Let me just tell you how to breathe and blink. No, we don't need to give you that much instruction. You just have to go on your instincts. And I think instincts have really carried her through here uh, with the mystics. And, and I love the fact that she has this culture that the mystics have created in DC to, to be herself and, and to be um, transparent with her experience as a rookie in the league and, and to have these great, incredible leaders around her who've won championships, mm-hmm. right? I mean, Clark won a couple in Seattle and then there's a handful that won in 2019 on the roster uh, with the Mystics. So, I mean, she's around championship mentality and she has just held on to that, yeah. <laughs> that the, the reins of that and, and is really flourishing and it's, it's fun to watch. It brings me uh, back to the first mention of the Miami Heat on this podcast, which is we're an hour <laughs> and four minutes in. So this is a long time for me. Uh, but Mo, one of Coach Spolstra's favorite sayings, and this is not something that he created, I'm sure, is the ball finds energy. And that's what she's doing. She is providing energy. The ball that's will right. find you. If you are moving around, if you're trying to, to help your teammates, if you're right. setting good screens, 
um, you're going to eventually get the ball and score. And that is the best lesson that I feel like any kid who is playing the game of basketball can understand if you are doing stuff in a helpful manner and being energetic, the ball will eventually find you. And I think this team really embodies that, especially with Shakira. Um, I think the rookie of the year conversation is going to just be fascinating. (laughs) Absolutely. I think she's definitely at the top right now. So we'll see. We'll see her and Ryan Howard and the Ryan Howard Shakira Austin trade now is fascinating in the, at the end of the year, when we're voting for rookie of the year is going to be fascinating. And for like the next 10 years, it's going to be just incredibly interesting to look back on. Um, But yeah, I, uh, that's, that's, uh, that's all I got. I, I have to go take my dog to the vet and I kind of forgot about it. So I got to get get going. I just got a text. She got a text from my wife. She's so much nicer than me. She was like, hey, just a reminder, Siggy's appointment's at four and it takes 10 minutes to get there. Um, Yeah, Yeah, you got to get moving. So I think that's it. I know we talked about so much, but it was it was awesome to chop it up with you again. And, you know, they're cutting the lights out on us again, Gabe. (laughs) It's Emily this time. It's Emily this time. She's cutting the lights out on us. We got to get up out of here, sit courtside with you guys. Thank you all for joining us once again for Courtside with Christy and Gabe right here on the Her Hoop Stats Podcast Network. We will see you next time. Some people just know bundling with Allstate means big savings. Just like they know the right ingredient means big flavor. They know honey on pizza is where it's at. And olive oil on ice cream is the cherry on top. And they know when you bundle home and auto with Allstate, you can save up to 25%. Mm -mm. Bundled savings vary by state and are not available in every state. Saving up to 25% is the countrywide average of the maximum available savings off the home policy. Allstate Vehicle and Property Insurance Company and Affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois.